Hi there, I'm Jim. And I'm Claire. Let's talk teaching. Welcome to Let's Talk Teaching, a podcast from the Center for Teaching, Learning, and Technology here at Illinois State University. I'm Jim G. Joining me today, our director, Dr. Claire LaMonica. Happy New Year, Claire. Thank you. Happy New Year to you, Jim. People may be hearing this in February, so that may be a little this bit late. This year is getting pretty old at this point. You yeah. know, I'm well, we're recording this like... Uh, I'm kind of over this year, actually. <laughs> <laughs> is it no. too early? <laughs> I, no, I don't think so at all, because I mean, I was looking, it's like we're already, you know, the semester's already started when we're recording this. We're, it's around January 18th, I think is the day that we're recording it. And I looked at the calendar like, what happened? Like, <laughs> like you know, um, yeah. uh, we are looking forward to the new year. Uh, even though it seems to be speeding along like a freight train already. <laughs> because uh, with our new season of podcasts that we're producing, we wanted to revisit or actually visit kind of uh, in depth for the first time one of our uh, most uh, looked to, most used books uh, here at CTLT. Um, tell us about it. Well, I, I, what I'm hoping that we'll do this semester is uh, take a look at a book called How Learning Works Seven Research-Based Principles for Smart Teaching. And, and of course, um, here we have another seven. We were talking about this before we started recording. We have another seven best practices or principles that we're looking at. Right, because we did, you know, seven good practices for undergraduate. Or, yeah, seven principles for good practice in undergraduate education. And right. now we're doing seven research-based principles for smart teaching. So, yeah, so the number seven seems to come up a lot, but it's you know it's supposedly a lucky number, I think. So I, I that's guess so. Okay. Yeah. A- and this book in particular approaches teaching a little bit differently than the than the previous uh, seven principles that we were talking about. Right. Um, I you know like the other book or if the other one is actually kind of a monograph, but yeah, th- this yeah. one is it is research based. Um, the thing I like about this is it's much more explicit. It doesn't just have sort of a, a gigantic um, bibliography at the end, sort of listing all the research they looked at. Mm-hmm. It's much more explicit in terms of uh, identifying and bringing together the uh, the research throughout. It has um, it has a pretty clear structure. Each chapter is structured in the same way. It was written. It, it's a collaborative work. It mm-hmm. was written by. Um, Five people kind of working in the field of um, professional development for faculty. Um, It's very user-friendly. Each chapter starts with, each chapter takes one principle. It starts with a couple of sort of case studies. Um, You know, this happened in this classroom and this happened in this classroom. What's going on here? Mm -hmm. Then it identifies the principle. Then it um, really pulls that principle apart and looks at the research behind the principle. And then, and, and I think this is um, faculty's favorite part, it has, um, maybe it's just my favorite part, but it has strategies. So how do you apply this principle in your classroom? Mm-hmm. What does this mean for your teaching and mm-hmm. for your students' learning? And it's very classroom-friendly sort of ideas, things you can do to um, activate student learning. Right, exactly. And so I think it's those strategies that we uh, are helping guide faculty members towards using. So I think right. probably, and as we kind of talked before we started recording today, um, it's the strategies that we'll ultimately end up focusing on quite a lot. 
And there are a lot of different topics. So there's a lot to unpack from this book. There is as well. a lot to unpack. It's it's pretty dense. It's yeah. very um it's it's very user friendly, not just in terms of the the repeated structure, but also uh, very accessible language. You don't have to be an expert in teaching and learning to mm-hmm. you know to read this. Not it's not loaded with jargon and so on and so forth. And I think that the topic that we want to talk about today, in particular, the principle we want to focus on is also kind of a good introductory sort of uh, topic um, as we kind of dive into this book over the course of the next several episodes and and throughout the year, Um, because we're talking about this thing that we've talked about a lot before, which is prior knowledge and assessing students' prior knowledge. And that's something that I think is easy for for teachers to wrap their brains around as far as what it is. Um, Getting past some of our own assumptions, as I'm sure we're going to talk about, may not be quite as easy. Right, right. So the the actual principle is, you know, principle number one, Mm -hmm. students' prior knowledge can help or hinder learning. Ah. And I think that that's something that um, anybody who's been in the classroom for a while has sort of figured out. I think you might come into a into a teaching career thinking, oh, prior knowledge, that's a good thing. They, if they already know stuff, then, you know, I, and, and, and even assuming that students will know stuff. Mm-hmm. And then you learn pretty quickly that sometimes it's a bad thing. So, so give us an example so, of that. Okay. So prior knowledge. So, all right. So um, I think I've talked before about this thing I used to do to assess students' prior knowledge about writing. Okay. So in a first-year composition course, first day of class, I would um, ask, I would give students an assignment Make a list of 10 things you already know about good writing, mm-hmm. okay? Um, some of those things were really helpful prior knowledge. Mm-hmm. So when a student said, writing is a painful and messy process, <laughs> you know, that, um, that actually, I liked it when I saw that. Not so much when I saw uh, good writing always has five paragraphs, right. you know? That was that was prior, and that could be very deeply ingrained mm-hmm. um, idea that they had been that they really had been had had reinforced over many many years of writing instruction. Right. So you know when I saw that, um, you know that was not quite as encouraging. Mm-hmm. Yeah, little discouraging. Sure, but. The good thing is that then I knew that that was out there, right? Because I had strategies for addressing that mm-hmm. um, or that misconception. So I, I just, you know, I just needed to know that I needed to implement them. So even uncovering the kind of prior knowledge that hinders their learning or could potentially hinder their neur- learning from a from a teaching standpoint, that empowers us to do something about right, it. Right, right. You know? That means once I know that they're thinking that. Yeah. That you know, without having to wait till I get their first paper and see, oh, it has five paragraphs. Is that in? Did they do that on purpose, or did they just happen to have five, you know, paragraphs worth of stuff to say, or, you know, what, whatever? So yeah. So, so my my introduction into this idea of prior knowledge was, um, you know, when I first started teaching, on the university level, I was a I was a practitioner who was brought in, you know, as a professional from a from from a, an industry that was brought in to teach. And I had no idea what I was doing, and 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 no one really seemed to care about that. They just kind of <laughs> let me go, and you know, uh, good luck. Yeah. And so I did that. And what I discovered was the first assessment I would give, the first big test I would give, they, you know, they they did awfully. Yeah, on they it. would bomb. They they yeah. would bomb on it. 
I so I kind of came to prior knowledge from kind of backwards originally. I wasn't assessing their prior knowledge, but I realized suddenly that there was something that was affecting their their ability to do well on this test. Now, there are probably a lot of factors there, including how the test was designed and all that other stuff, <laughs> uh, which is, as we like no, to say... really? Yeah, you're right. <laughs> which is, as we like to say, another episode. Yeah. <laughs> but um, w- what I realized was um, that it was also an issue of prior knowledge. I was assuming that they knew things about, in this case, journalism or broadcast journalism, or even just how the world worked, that was that was confounding them. So let's let's kind of transition into some of the strategies we want to talk about. How do we actually know that we're doing a good job assessing their prior knowledge? Okay, so I think what we I think before we even do that, we want to sort of back up a little bit. Okay, I'm going to back up, okay. and I'm going to I want to talk for just a minute. Yeah, <laughs> very nice. We've added that, sound. That's e- actually a pretty good imitation. We've added <laughs> sound effect. Yeah, I'm turning into the Mel Blanc yeah. of podcasting. I you know, um, I want to talk a little bit about um, when prior knowledge does help. Uh-huh. And when it doesn't help, because what because the research has actually uncovered specific circumstances under which prior knowledge is helpful or when it's not. Okay. So, prior knowledge is helpful when a students have activated it, so they're actually using it. Mm-hmm. Okay. There might be stuff in their heads that they know, but they're just not drawing on it. Mm-hmm. Um, that happens all the time, by the way, Yeah, <laughs> a whole lot. Yeah. And we say, ah, oh, they were supposed to learn this in that prior class. Well, yeah, maybe they did, but they don't, you know, they haven't figured out that they need to use it in this class. Mm-hmm. Um, when it's sufficient. So that means they need to know enough. All right. To, to move on to whatever it is that you're asking them to move on to. Mm-hmm. Um, when it's appropriate so some things we know might be appropriate in some situations, but not others. Mm-hmm. But because we know it, we think, oh, well, I need to apply that in every situation I encounter. Oh, yes, uh, But, yes. you know, it's not always, not everything we know is applicable to every situation. Uh-huh. So um, it's, it's like I used to say, you know, raising three kids, the only thing I learned was that nothing I learned raising the first one was applicable to the second one, and uh-huh. nothing I learned, you know... From the second one was applicable to the third one. Well, and to go to your back to your original example about you know um, the the five paragraph writing structure, there are times when that may be appropriate, but not just in every. Not it's not a universal general. rule. Not yeah, generally. Not generally. Yeah. Um, and and of course, you know, this almost seems like a given, but prior knowledge is only helpful if it's accurate. Uh-huh. And so sometimes they've half learned something, or they haven't quite learned something, or they just learned it wrong. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and that means, um, you know, that's not helpful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that's one of the first times when it's not helpful is when it's inaccurate. Right. Okay. Um, it's also not helpful if they're not calling on it. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's in there, but they're not, they're not calling it up. Um, when they don't know enough. Okay. Or mm-hmm. when it's inappropriate. So sort of the flip side of all the times when we, all the circumstances under which it was appropriate. Um when it does help learning, it doesn't help learning if um, those circumstances are reversed. Sure. So, sure. so that's sort of um, that's kind of the general overview. So, how do we how do we how do uh, we act on that? Yeah, how do we act yeah. on that? How do yeah. we how do we actually know that we're getting that? How do we know that that, that is what it is? You know, right. How, how do we assess it? So, what? Well, or how do we just how do we implement it? Yeah. So, it's not yeah. always a matter of assessing; it's just a matter of of you of know putting trick. it into practice. Yeah, and, okay. You know, so so using it in our classrooms. Right. So, and and what we basically want to do. So, the big thing we want to do is take those kinds of prior na- knowledge that hinder learning and flip them 
so that become they become the kinds of prior knowledge that help learning. Okay. So, for example, when prior knowledge is inactive, that hinders learning. Mm-hmm. When it's active, when it's been activated, it helps learning. We want to find ways to activate their prior knowledge. Mm-hmm. So we've talked about this before, too. We've talked about um, what people in education call the anticipatory set, which is something you do. It's uh, Other people call it the hook. Mm-hmm. It's the thing you do at the start of class that sort of brings them all together and um, gets their brains in the right place to learn what it is that they, you want them to learn that day. Okay. So um, you might, for example... Do what I did in the writing class. Just have them think about, what do you already know about this topic? Mm-hmm. And there's lots of ways to do that. You know, I had to make a list. You can have them do group brainstorming. You can have them do a little free writing. You can have them create a concept map. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of fun. You know, yeah, you, say, you yeah. put the main idea for the day, you know, in the middle and then say, hey, and they could do that individually or you could do it collectively as a sure, class. Sure. Um, so there's lots of ways to sort of turn inactive prior knowledge into active prior knowledge. And I think, you know, the one. Uh, OK, so going back to my my discovery of prior knowledge and whatnot. So the next step I did was it was not very effective, where (laughs) I stood up and I said, you know what? You all should already know X, Y, and Z. Who doesn't know it? Raise your hand. Well, that didn't work. No, (laughs) no, of course not. Because they, you know, nobody's going to say they don't know it. Exactly. You know, there's, there's hardly any hardly ever any pedagogical advantage to excoriating your students that's Jim. exactly so right just that's no i understood that. for the day yeah, yeah, <laughs> I understand. or or you know publicly shaming or yeah, asking you, them to publicly you, shame themselves you, you you put it very uh nicely in one of our early podcasts where you said essentially and i'm paraphrasing here uh the stocks went out of style a long time yeah, ago yeah, something so, like that yeah no and and i agree and so and and but I think it is something that we, you know, the flip side of that is that we do need to recognize that as we're asking students to think about this, um, that um, when they when they realize that maybe they that their where their prior knowledge lies, right, that that may there may be uh, uh, an emotional aspect of that that they have to deal with. Uh, I, 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 oh, sure, I, yeah. So we talked before we began recording. I talked about how, um, you know, I had assumed a lot of prior knowledge. Um, uh, uh, based on students' majors, and I and I didn't realize I had a student in the class who wasn't actually a major in the in, yeah. in the department. He was taking it as a minor, and so his experiences were different. And he was brave enough to put up his hand and say, "You know what? I actually never talked about that in any classes. Yeah. I'd like to learn more." Yeah, and I'm like, "Oh, okay, great." Yeah, um, and we can talk at other times about how do you how do you supplement individual students? You know, in that in yeah, that because you know that's really the most that. For me, when I look at this list, um, that's probably the most confounding thing. Mm-hmm. Is And I think that's what we hear about um, over and over again from people who say, you know, my student should know this. Yeah. Um, I, you know, they should have learned this in X class. They should have learned this in third grade. You know, yeah. and, and sometimes it's, um, they do know it, it just hasn't been activated. Right. So they right. haven't activated. So that's like, you know, yeah. punctuation. They should know to put a period at the end of every sentence. Well, of course they do. They yeah. do know that they do. But they didn't realize that you cared. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, let them know you care. That They need to activate that prior knowledge. Um, 
but I think this idea of when they don't, when their prior knowledge is insufficient, um, that's really confounding to us, partly because that insufficiency may vary from student to student. Right. It- so, you know, some students will actually remember more from a previous course or they mm-hmm. will have learned it better. So, you know, mm-hmm. um, or for whatever reason. So you can have students at different levels. If you have, so I, when we were talking earlier, I told the story about the time that I went to teach an, um, an upper level, well, sort of medium level writing class. And I started the class with the assumption that all of my students would have taken courses in which they compiled writing portfolios before. Mm -hmm. And so I went in ready to sort of hit the ground running. I wasn't going to, I didn't plan to spend any time talking about, you know, the concept of the writing portfolio, what it was, what I, you know, my expectations, Um, buzz. You know, wrong. A whole bunch of them had had never even heard of the concept of a writing portfolio. So I had to, you know, that was okay. It was a, it was a, well, most of them, mm-hmm. <laughs> almost all of them. Um, and so I had to um, sort of go back and rethink my approach to what I was doing, particularly early in the semester. Mm-hmm. So, um, and it was, you know, mostly it was a matter of logistics. Like, don't just save your new drafts over your old drafts, you know, to, you know save right. them a separate, give it a new name, whatever, because you want to be able to see growth and development and mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. That was pr- probably a pretty easy place to be. The, right. the harder place to be is when you're assuming that um, all of your students know how to, you know, know what mean, median, and mode are right. and all but three of them do. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you've got a 20 student class and you've got three students who don't know me, median, and mode. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, what am I going to do with those three students? And and you're right. That is a that is something that we encounter a lot here at CTLT. That's, you know, in the consultations that we do. A future episode that we hope to produce of our humble, pokey little podcast here uh, is about welcoming office hours and, and, and doing that. And I think, you know, some of the some of the teachers I've worked with, some of the faculty members I've worked with, where this has come up, they have successfully used strategies like have you know like having group office hours mm-hmm. and and whatnot, mm-hmm. um, where you don't, you're not singling out individuals, but you're at least welcoming them, inviting them. You right. you help them realize what they don't know, and then you invite them in outside of the class. Because the other part of it is, I don't want to have to as horrible as it is to use this phrase, teach to the lowest common denominator. Right. You well, know, I don't, don't want to put the brakes on everything. Right. You don't want to put the brakes on anything. You don't want to have to use class time for that. You know, you could, this is a situation where if this is something that comes over, comes up over and over again, you know, Uh you know that, you know that every semester you're going to have those two or three students who can't remember, you know, don't know what mean, median, mode are. You could create a quick little podcast or video cast. This is mean, median, a, a video lesson digital lesson, stick it into ReggieNet, yeah. and then tell students, hey, if you can't remember the difference between mean, mm-hmm. median, mode, or if you've never heard of these before, access mm-hmm. this lesson, mm-hmm. take a little quiz, you know, do whatever, you know, whatever. Yeah. And there may, be some, there may be something that already exists out there that you could just you point know, them I, to. I bet you can just click, um, to, click to a link of yeah. Khan Academy. <laughs> well, you know, a good um, example of that was when I, when I came back to get a graduate degree, um, one of the first classes I took on rhetoric was uh, uh, the instructor uh, uh, had a, a little pamphlet um, that was like, you know, 
introduction to, to rhetorical terms. And it talked about Aristotle, and it talked a little bit about, and then it had some other stuff in there too, but, um, and rhetorical criticism a little bit. But it was just a primer because, because it was a big tent, and we had a lot of students from a lot of different disciplines coming in to actually, to actually explore this. Uh, these topics, and um, that was one way to supplement that. And yeah. we could use it or not. Yeah. But it was yeah. a good reference to have. So even just giving them reference, I think, is, is sometimes yeah. important. So going back to the strategies and whatnot, what else, what other strategies do, do you think that we should have in our, uh, in our toolbox? In our toolbox? Yeah. So we, let's see, we talked about some strategies for, um, for, um, sort of accessing prior knowledge or, or, you know, finding out what students already know or don't know. We might want to spend just a second on um, activating prior knowledge. So you're, you're pretty sure they know it, but they're just, they're not applying it. So Mm -hmm. like that whole, um, you know, they're not, not putting periods at the end of sentences. I mean, that's such a, you know, I don't, but it probably happens. <laughs> well, or not putting commas you know. between uh, two independent clauses joined by a conjunction. Yeah, you know, so, something like that, that they know. Um, you know, you, you can just explicitly set that expectation out there. Yeah. You know, so, um, hey, I, you know, in this class, I expect you to, you know, abide by the, you know, the conventions of written, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, written communication. And um, if you need a review... Here's a link to the Purdue right. online writing laboratory, you know, sure. wh- whatever. So, um, or you can um, you can ask questions that require them to use prior knowledge. So, um, think about protagonist. You know, you could say, okay, so um, let's think about some um, protagonists. Who were the protagonists in some? You know, who was the protagonist in your favorite book? So when we're you talking know, about uh, applying prior knowledge or activating, I'm sorry, activating. we're talking about activating prior knowledge. Mm-hmm. One one way to achieve that seems to be uh, to to uh, apply it mm-hmm. to the real world mm-hmm. or to you know to make a connection to make to, yeah. to make those connections. That seems to be the, probably one of mm-hmm. the best paths mm-hmm. to take. Yeah, my um, my five year old grandson is in kindergarten and he recently learned that a period means stop. Ah. It's a stop sign. It's a stop sign. Yeah. And yeah. so, you know, now once we can get him past saying stop every time he encounters a period, we're going to be in great shape. But, that, <laughs> Alas, but you know, yeah. that real world, world analogy, even yeah. at five, yeah. he knows that a stop sign means stop. Right. And right. so that teacher's analogy between the period and the stop sign, yeah. you know, that was that was helpful. That sure. it struck a, It struck a chord. Yeah. Um, it linked a new concept to something he already knew. Right. Um, you know, and now he's now he's sort of over applying that, but sure. I th- and he's probably past that by now. But yeah. you know, it was kind of a cute thing that he did. You know, and, <laughs> and it's on. and it's a shame we no longer send telegrams to each other because yes. that could have been his. He <laughs> could have been yeah. the chosen one uh, yeah. in terms of that. So, what else do we need to know? I think probably an, uh, another hard thing is um, correcting inaccurate prior knowledge. Uh-huh. So that's you know that's something you know I I said well when a student comes in and says all good writing has you know five paragraphs. Well, that's a pretty easy fix, you know, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I can say, hey, you know, I mean, I can say, go out and find me something published. You know? Right. <laughs> or, or look at these, look at these, you know, uh, these are models of the kinds of things we're going to write in this class. Do these models, in fact, follow that format? You know, are, are they, do they conform to that convention, which is, you know, tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them three things, you know, tell them the three things you told them. Um 
one of my children once called that the world's most boring way of writing. But, <laughs> but you know, the thing is that there are very few, if any, models of that in good. You couldn't go to an anthology of essays and find a five-paragraph theme. There's just no way, you know. Mm-hmm. So you can't even go to, um, well, I was going to say Time Magazine, but you know, you can't really practically go to Time Magazine anymore. Yeah. I mean, you know, you can go to Time Magazine either online or in print, right. but you, you know, there just aren't many places you can go where you're going to find that format. Yeah, um, it's that's not true. something that gets used in the real world. You know, that's a way to sort of, um, mm-hmm. you know, under, so you can start, you can start by undermining that. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's a math class or a science class, you know, and they say, Oh, of course, these two things have different speeds or whatever. And you're like, yeah, okay. So, you know, ask them to justify their reasoning when they're, if they tell you something that's wrong, you can say, okay, so tell me more about that. You know, how Mm -hmm. did you reach that conclusion? Right. You know, what kinds of evidence do you have for that? Right. Um, And Uh, so on and so forth. Because I know the authors talk about um, helping students to identify the contradictions in their knowledge versus actual knowledge. I think it's a phrase that they use. And then the other, the other, uh, thing I remember they advise is that um, uh, you have to give them multiple opportunities to do that. It's not necessarily just a one-off. And time. And you time. Know, it, yeah. Ken Bain says mental models change slowly, you know, and yeah. I, I go back to that so often. It takes time, especially mm-hmm. once, if, once there's an idea in your head, mm-hmm. changing that idea about anything is just, you know, a tortuous process. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it, it's hard for the teacher. It's hard for the learner. Um, it's just, it's it's slow. It's time consuming. It's frustrating. Right. Um, you know, it generates a certain amount of anger. Yeah. Um, and yeah. angst. So yeah. yeah, learning is tough. But but it's but it's worth going through because when, when when we're going through this process of of dealing with prior knowledge and helping students identify uh, where they're at themselves. Then once you go through that process, it's a great feeling as a teacher to be able to, to say, all right, guys, we got this. We yeah. can move on now. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. we're ready. You're, we're there. <laughs> you're there. We've, we've, we've reached this goal. We've yeah. reached this plateau. Let's keep going up the mountain, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Claire, thank you so much. Thank you, Jim. And that's all the time we have for this week's episode of Let's Talk Teaching. You can find out more about the podcast by going to CTLT. Illinoisstate.edu and clicking on the podcast link in the upper right of the page. For Dr. Claire LaMonica and for all my colleagues here at the Center for Teaching, Learning, and Technology, until we talk again, happy teaching.